In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! And good morning. Hey, are you concerned that you could run out of money in retirement? Well, on today's show, we are talking about how to battle the risk of living a long life, the strategy you need to do it. Plus, Ryan Dietrich is here with a look at the market. Stay tuned. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Get Ready for the Future show online and on radio all across central Arkansas. My name is Scott Inman, and with us today, Janet Walker, as always, and in place of John Shrewsbury, we've got Troy Johnson from our Bryant office sitting in. Good morning, Troy. Good morning. And good morning to you, Janet. Good morning. Yeah, it's going to be a good show today. Big show with, uh, it's always big when Ryan Dietrich is on. Yes. Always look forward to him being on. And you know, more and more people when we are sitting uh, in client meeting rooms, know who Ryan is when we mention his name. Yeah. He, he's becoming quite a celebrity, I would say. Uh, you can see him on CNBC. I know he's on a lot of other news networks uh, as well occasionally. He's becoming a go-to source when it comes to knowledge about the economy and the markets. We are glad to affiliate with LPL Financial. They are a broker-dealer, and uh, Ryan is the chief market strategist at LPL Financial. Joins us about once a month on the Get Ready for the Future show. He'll be along in the next segment. So about 10 minutes or so away uh, from Ryan talking about the markets and the economy, and certainly both have been wonky uh, in late January and February. Is that a proper word? I don't know if that's an investment term. We'll go with wonky. It's it, the official word of the day. They've been yeah. kind of wonky. All I have to do to, to, to confirm that is say GameStop, right? So we'll, <laughs> that's right. We'll, we'll ask him about that and talk about other things. But the subject of today's show is really about longevity. And we mentioned that question at the beginning uh, about have you become concerned at all that at some point during your retirement you might actually start to run out of money? And I think that question is appropriate for folks who are in retirement, but also uh, people who are getting closer to retirement, maybe 10 years out still thinking about, do I have enough? I, we, we've always said in this show, Janet, that one of the most common questions that gets asked us in, in the client meeting room is, how much do I need or do I have enough uh, and, and so I think this just parallels off of that. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, if you can tell us when your last day of life is going to be, then we can answer the question about yeah. whether or not you have enough. And and one of the things with, with longevity risk, guys, is when you think about any other risks that people face in retirement, whether it's market risk, sequence of return, inflation, longevity just exasperates every single one of them. Like, okay, if you start taking money out at the wrong time, so you've got sequence of return risk, but you pass away three years into retirement, it's okay. You're not going to run out of money, you know. But if you live a longer time than expected, all of these other risks become more significant for you. And when you think about, I mean, you even think about like a, a pension. That, that's yeah. that's what they're counting on is some people not living that long that's life right. to be able to pay everybody else who does. You know, if you think about, look at this into these statistics, uh, it, it, it bears out what we're saying. 72% of pre-retirees are worried about running out of money. You're not alone if you're one of those. 64% are concerned about being unable to maintain their current lifestyle or quality of life. And, I, and that's from ThinkAdvisor, by the way. Uh, I think that's really important, too, because even if you don't run out of money, are you going to be able to live the retirement you want? And and I think that, that that's a big number, 64% concerned about at some point having to take less income because of a fear of running out of money. 
Scott, we see this in meeting rooms every day. When we ask clients, what are your major concerns about retirement? You know, I, I tend to think, you know, some type of large healthcare event, you know, mm-hmm. what's my health going to look like throughout my retirement? But what we hear most often is I'm concerned that I don't have enough money to last me the rest of my life or set another way. I'm concerned that I'm going to run out at some point. Yeah. And when you think about the reverse is true too, because a lot of people, when we talk about, well, how long you're going to live, I would say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that it's at least 50, 50, that half of the people are going to answer under what they probably will actually live. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. And I, I know this is a story I, I share regularly, but I think it is is worth driving home again. Um, when my grandfather turned 79, he was just supremely sad that day, and that was just not his characteristics at, at all. It's not how he was wired. And I finally got him to tell me what was going on, and he said, Honey, my daddy died when he was 79, and I, I kind of figure I just had my last birthday. Hmm. Well, he was here and healthy another night and a half years so what if he had just planned to live as long as his dad and and I think you know many times guys that that's what people are doing whether it's really intentional or not their mindset is I'm not gonna live past 80 nobody in my family ever has and so I won't be here that long well what if you're wrong Mm -hmm. you know what's your standard of living going to be like at that point have you noticed that's it's kind of a guy thing too? It's, it, it it's, is. it's always the yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. I'll, oh, I'm not going to live that long. We normally run 25 year plans when we put them together, and yeah. I'm not going to live that long. Well, we've got a lot of clients that are in their 90s at this point, and they that's did right. live that long. So, yeah, the last thing we want to do is, and who knows if uh, we'll be here on the back end of that, right? But it, the last thing we want to do is on your 85th birthday go well. We we only planned 85, so that that that's putting a little bit of uh, onus on us to make sure that doesn't happen. But a study by Morningstar uh, found that investors frequently underestimate the number of years they likely have left and may fail to plan accordingly. That's that's the key. And, and, And I think when we plan, generally speaking, unless there's a reason to go one way or the other from this, it's going to be to age 90. And, and you think about that, well, I'm not going to live to age 90. But if you do, your assets need to be there. And then even at age 90, there's still money left. It's not going to zero. The balance of the ledger doesn't go to zero. There's always a bucket of money to continue past that. You know, going back to that Morningstar study and talking about age ranges and what individuals expect, individuals who estimated they had no chance of living to 75 actually had 50% chance of, of living to that point. Now, Troy, I, I know you're you're not a lottery purchaser. You know, you, you don't go and get tickets and everything. But if you had 50% chance of winning, you'd probably buy some tickets, wouldn't you? Several. Yeah, several, (laughs) several. And so, I mean, think about it. You've got a 50% chance of living that long and and you're not thinking that you do. Well, what's your money going to look like at that point? Mm -hmm. We have to, longevity, frankly, we're talking about this like it's a problem. Longevity is a good thing. It means you get to stay alive longer. It's okay. But we do have to plan for it so that it doesn't create challenges for you financially. You know, last week we talked about that concept of a just-in-case retirement, that people kind of segment or put a divider between their floor income, which for a lot of folks is just Social Security. We call it floor income, but it's your guaranteed sources of income, Social Security pension. I'm just going to live on that, my fixed income, if you will. And then everything I've saved, however big that bucket is over on the sidelines, whether it's 100000 or a million, it's there to crack in case of emergency. And I think this thought process of fearing about running out of money because you don't know how long you're going to live and how long your assets need to hold up, 
drives that. I think that drives that mindset of a just-in-case retirement. Well, it's because there's no plan. Yeah, I mean, we've got to get back to the the thought process of, and we've talked about this recently, about if people are pulling from a lump sum of money, it makes them nervous about mm-hmm. whether or not that lump sum is still going to be there and survive. So how do you plan for a guaranteed income stream that is going to be here as long as you are? This is something that the American College of Financial Services talks about a great deal, that one of the ways you deal with longevity is basically creating a pension. If you don't have a pension, you've got Social Security income coming in, and then you may need some type of annuity income. And they talk about Social Security basically is an annuity. It's it's an income stream that's going to last as long as you do. It'll be here every month. The same thing can be done with a portion of your investments, and you cannot outlive that. That's the important point about this to be able to address longevity. That is what we do on a day-to-day basis for our clients, create retirement income plans that last as long as they do. So if you want to step into that realm and begin the process, you've been thinking about it, you need a plan for retirement income, we're going to give you an offer right now to do that. The first five people to email us from this show can get 50% off their financial plan. This is a, uh, normally up to a $1,500 financial plan that you could get for half of that. So depending on your assets, could be a different cost. But the first five people to email us at info at getreadyforthefuture.com and reference that they heard it on the show are going to get a chance to have half off a financial plan. Coming up, it's Ryan Dietrich on the other side of the break. Talking about battling the risk of longevity today. How do you make sure in retirement that your money lasts as long as you do? We're going to get back to the strategies that we employ in the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process in the next segment, but it is time now for Ryan Dietrich. Ryan is joining us on the show, Chief Market Strategist at LPL Financial. Good morning, Ryan. Welcome. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me back. I'm on. It's been a month already. Wow, goes fast, doesn't it? <laughs> it does go fast, and and it's there's been a lot going on uh, yeah. in in that last month, to say the least. Uh, I, I mentioned in the open, it's been a bit of a wonky ride. I don't know if that's a technical investment term, but it it feels a little bit wonky. The volatility has spiked a bit uh, in the last week or so, and. First of all, I guess uh, we want to talk about uh, the Reddit hedge fund controversy. Did that play a part, maybe, you think, in some of that recent volatility? And then is this kind of a sign of the times? Uh, are, are we going to see more of that down the road? Yeah, Scott. I mean, we do. You, know, you think about last week, all right? It was the end of the month. You had a good month going. For whatever reason, you know, I, I'm going to use the word squirrely. Squirrely things seem to happen at the end of the month as hedge funds and places tra- uh, you know, square up their books, if you will. And sure enough, as soon as the new month started in February, we start ripping higher. So it, it, there is something to, you know, is the first domino to fall, GameStop and all these other stocks that have gone up, all these hedge funds on the other side of it, are they going to be in trouble? Our base case is we don't think so, right? People say, is this another 1998 long-term capital management when the Russian ruble made some moves that it, it technically wasn't supposed to make, but it did. And that caused a 20% correction, honestly, fears of a recession. Now, of course, no one knows, but you know the, the data that we're looking at, we just don't think that this is the start of the first domino of a major, major market calamity. And it's honestly, guys, short squeezes have been around a long, long time. We're going to see more of them. This one, obviously, with the Reddit crowd and just the way the media and everyone just gravitated to it was headline stealing. But at the same time, we just think it's more you know, just those stocks and not a bigger issue for the overall market. 
Ryan, you actually kind of stole part of what I was going to ask you about there when you're talking about uh, talking about back to 1998. I, so I'm going to divert for just a moment. I, I tell you, part of me, after having done this for a couple of decades, part of me goes, guys, it's the story of the week. It'll be something that we forget in the future. Move on. What's your What's your thought on how people should really interpret? What does it matter to them? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, great question, Janet. Sorry for stealing your thunder a little oh, bit. No, you're good. Times. I kind of know what you're going to ask me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's great. But, you know, kind of similar to what I just said, I mean, if you're in these individual stocks, of course you care about what they're doing. I want to sure. minimize that. But for your average investor, my goodness gracious, I know we're going to talk about earnings soon. Earnings are really strong. The economy is coming back. The Fed is still there. Those are the things longer-term investors should remember. Also, I, you know, I'm going to paraphrase it, the old quote by J.P. Morgan, that you make the worst decisions when you see your neighbor getting rich. Okay, That's yeah. what happened. So many people saw GameStop going up and all these things going up. They said, oh, I got to buy it. I got to buy it. Guys, it was down 30% than 60% in two days. I mean, you know, so that's what happens when you get a rush and everyone kind of gets excited at the exact wrong time. So, you know, some people might want to live in that world, but I think for longer-term investors, don't live in that world and have a long-term goal in mind is the most important thing. Ryan, another old quote for you. Uh, How about this one? As goes January... So goes the year, meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever happens in the market in January is a good forecaster for the rest of the year. Stocks were generally down in January. So what does that mean for investors when they're looking at the rest of this year? Yeah, great question there, because stocks were up all month until the end of the month sell off, like I just mentioned. So the S&P was down about 1.1 percent for January. We've taken a look, guys, the final 11 months. Sure enough, when January's down the rest of the year i've got it right in front of me sick up 61 percent of the time versus if you're higher up 86 percent of the time with some pretty significant um outperformance so that's the thing right is so goes january goes year is this a major warning is everything about to fall apart we'd say hold on not so fast because in recent memory nine of the last times we had a down january the rest of the year was higher eight of those times okay mm. and to put a bow on this we ha- Let me just pull it up. I know I've got it in front of me. I'll make sure I say it correctly here. We had negative Januaries in uh, 2020, 2016, and 2015. Those ring a bell, 2015, 2016, 2020, extremely volatile years. So maybe it's not so much a bearish indicator as, hey, we could have some more volatility coming with the fact we just had a little bit weak January, when normally January is pretty good. It is uh, always kind of dangerous when you pick a snapshot or a point-to-point in time, but but when you look back at where we were in the lows in March, it's astounding to think that the S&P 500 is up over 70%. You remarked last week that given that run-up since March, it it might be time for a pause, and I guess that – does that kind of center around valuations, or what is your thought process behind that, and then is that kind of a, a reason to think about changing your outlook for the rest of the year? Yeah, well, we wouldn't change our outlook for the rest of the year. We maybe dig in a little more there. But just the fact that we've had a 72% rally in the S&P, double in small caps, up a ton in NASDAQ and technology, you know, it makes sense. And if you think about it, look at 2009, what happened? Everyone knows March 2009 was a low, rally into January. Take a while, guess how much it was up? 70%. This bull market's been tracking that. What happened in early 10, guys? 10% correction in the first quarter, and then a bigger correction actually in the summer months after a move higher. I think our base case at LPL Research is this. After a 70% rally, consolidation as much as maybe a 10% correction sometime in the next four or five months, that wouldn't be the end of the world. In fact, that'd be really healthy to let the market catch its breath. And I get it. Evaluations are definitely on the high side. I know we're talking earnings very soon. Earnings are justifying some of those valuations, though, so let's be mm-hmm. very clear there. 
That's actually where I was going to head. You're anticipating every question we have. Let's go and talk about earnings. So, so uh, despite all the, I'll just say, noisy news lately in the market, it really does, Ryan, all come back to earnings. So talk to us about now in the midst of earnings season, what do you think that looks like? Well, Janet, I mean, earnings season is coming in historically strong. It feels like every time we talk about earnings, I'd say this, but as of this morning, okay, the time we're recording this, Fourth quarter earnings, according to the fact set, are actually positive year over year. To put that in perspective, at the start of the year, they're supposed to be down like 13%. You know, back in the midst of the financial, uh, when everything was really bad in the springtime, people were thinking, you know, down 20, 25%. Now you got positive earnings growth in the fourth quarter. And what corporate America has to say about the future is obviously extremely important. Also, you know, we see earnings this year in 2021 being up as much as 25% year over year, which is an astoundingly strong number. And as crazy as it sounds, we might have earnings above where they were by the end of this year, where they peaked in 2019. So in other words, you know, just like that, we kind of erased that earning, major earnings recession that we saw. So it's, mm. it's really impressive. And again, t- uh, we're still kind of you know, about 40% into it. 86% of companies in the S&P beat the number, uh, their, their guidance, uh, or I'm sorry, the estimates from the analysts, that's a historically high number. So again, it's just really impressive how strong corporate America is doing here. Hey, Ryan, I'm going to switch gears real fast. Uh, something that a lot of our clients are concerned about still is coronavirus. And here in Arkansas and in most parts of the country, we've seen a, a little bit of a reduction in number of new cases uh, for the most part. So uh, what does that mean for investors going forward? Yeah, the, the truth is, I think we saw a little bit of this last year. The stock market is looking for the end of the coronavirus and a major expansion the second half of the year, right? I mean, the good news, you know, the Johnson & Johnson news came out last week. It's just one stick versus two with a 66% effective rate. Not spectacular, but hey, 66% is pretty good over time with the other 95% effectives that vaccines already have approved. So all of these things are leading to, like you said, a major, major peaks and pretty good drop-offs in the number of people hospitalized and new cases. And then, um, you know, to, to wrap it up, I mean, look at what happened, what's going on in Israel. All right, Israel's pretty much vaccinated the whole country. The number of people that are in hospitals has just dropped like a, um, you know, um, what do you call it? A um, roller coaster. I mean, it's straight down. It's just amazing how it's happened. And that's kind of the goal, obviously, for a lot of people. And I'll tell you guys, it's still happening, literally. So I'm in um, Fort Mill, South Carolina. My son, Gus, he doesn't have it, but someone in his class did. And now he's wor- he's working from home. He's learning <laughs> from home this week because of it. So, yeah, hopefully the little girl, the little girl, hopefully she's fine. And I'm sure she will be. But still, we're all impacted by this. And I'm at home, you know, trying to teach him, trying to do WebExes. The Internet's taken from both of us. I mean, it impacts all of us. And we're not out of the woods by any means. Um, but there are light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, a little bit of a template there with Israel, an optimistic template, to say yes. the least. We're talking with Ryan Dietrich. Uh, he's our guest today on the Get Ready for the Future show. He's the chief market strategist at LPL Financial. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, stimulus proposal that's been uh, talked about now Biden's inauguration a few weeks ago, and he is pushing for that $1.9 trillion, hard to say that number, of additional stimulus money and certainly would f- push a lot of money into the economy. Uh, I know that would have an effect probably on GDP even. So when when you look at that and then weigh it against the Republican negotiations for less, even though it's still $600 billion, how do you weigh that as a possible effect on the market, depending on which one of those we end up getting? Yeah, I mean, our base case at LPL Research is this. It's probably going to come in closer to the middle. We're saying maybe about a trillion. Okay, who's counting? About a trillion. Mm. You know, don't forget, in December, 
remember, guys, we had a $900 billion one, which was the second largest stimulus plan ever. And now we're talking about, you know, potentially another trillion. Uh, we don't think 1.9 trillion. But the truth is the market is pricing a lot of that in, right? It's saying, you know, that can be there. And that $900 billion one that we did in December, most of that's not even been enacted yet, okay? It's still kind of just sitting there, ready to be used. So that's, that's it's real important to remember that. But it's so unique because just this morning, the day we're recording this, manufacturing numbers came in really strong, right? Um, services numbers came in extremely strong. The question, and it's, I'm not saying right or wrong, I'm just saying the question is, do we really need all this stimulus if the economy is truly turning the corner and COVID is turning the corner? Listen, I think both sides agree we need to help the people that are the most impacted by this. So more stimulus is coming. So from an investment's point of view, I guess our base case for a while has been, you know, don't fight it. More stimulus is bullish for equities and bullish for um, your, your investments more often than not. So let's not fight it. But we'll see how large it is. We think about a trillion those by where it ends up being probably sometime in March. Hey, Ryan, while we're talking about the impact of, of politics on investments, uh, we live in an area of the country where uh, there are a lot of people who have local oil stocks because it, that's just where we are. Uh, talk with us about the impact of uh, Biden and shutting down the pipeline and what uh, what those people might be facing in the future. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of know, I guess, what everyone else knows, and clearly that's going to impact jobs and potentially impact a lot of livelihoods. Now, some potential positive there, Janet. I've been to LPL for five years, as you guys know. We've been underweight energy, honestly, for that five years. And one could argue that that maybe was the way to be. We are starting to significantly warm up to energy. We see crude oil breaking above 55. We've got a target up around 65 on crude oil. And some of these oil stocks, which obviously have underperformed, energy stocks have underperformed, they are starting to really start to base and start to look pretty good. And, and our, our um, equity strategist, Jeff Bookbinder, on a team noted, you look at all 11 S&P 500 sectors, the best one that's doing uh, relative to what expectations were is energy. All right. It's almost like, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, whereas only 2.5% of the S&P 500 people stop caring about energy. All of a sudden, there's some major pluses coming in there where we see, you know, potentially energy stocks maybe finally can start. They've done well the last couple months. We don't think it's a dead cat bounce. We think there's maybe a little bit more life left to this rally in energy, probably you know, at least the next six months or so. Ryan, 12 minutes goes fast. We're out of time. We thank you for being with us again. Hey, anytime. I look forward to the next 12 minutes very soon, guys. Thank you. The Get Ready for the Future show continues right after this. Talking about longevity risk on today's Get Ready for the Future show, Scott Inman along with Janet Walker and Troy Johnson as we get more into battling longevity risk in this segment. But do want to take just a second again to thank Ryan, Ryan Dietrich, the Chief Market Strategist at LPL Financial, for joining us once again. And if you're wanting to get more of his insight or the team at LPL Research, you can follow him on Twitter. Ryan has a very big Twitter uh, presence. I can't remember now. I could look real quick, but I think he's well up over like 20,000 followers. So he, a lot of people are, are relying on his insight, uh, and we are most grateful for him for joining us uh, about once a month here on the Get Ready for the Future show. So when we talked about in the first segment the concern that you might run out of money before you run out of time and how prevalent that is in retirees, it bears out through this Think Advisor survey we quoted 72% of pre-retirees worried about running out of money and 64% are concerned about being unable to maintain their current lifestyle or quality of life. So if that's you, uh, what do you do about it? How do you battle that longevity risk? Well, the, the quick answer is you plan. You have a plan for it rather than kind of just being willy-nilly about when you pull money out or putting it over as a piggy bank and just being break in case of emergency. And it's just in case, uh, a just in case retirement at that point. So 
We're going to get into kind of the things you should consider in your planning. And reminder that if you're one of the first five people to email us from the show today, you can get 50% off your financial plan at GenWealth. Just email us at info at getreadyforthefuture.com and reference the show. So the most important things, Janet, in retirement. Hey, Scott, before we go to that, I have an important number. We just got a an update from Casey on uh, the number of followers for Ryan Dietrich. You said over 20,000. Yeah. I would not have known, so I'm not calling you out. 75,000. Wow. Well, I was way off. I, yeah, I had no clue. So if you're not one of the 75,000, you might want to join them. Wow. Ryan Dietrich has hey, good things to say. Yeah, let me let me point out that I think it was one of the first times I interviewed him that I said I had Twitter envy because I had, from yes. again, from the news yeah. legacy, I had about 10,000 followers and he was he had passed me. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I remember when he only had 10 <laughs> and he's over 75 75,000. Man, I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. That's that's incredible. So, let's get back to uh, longevity and and guys, you know, we talked about that you have to buy two things in retirement. You have to buy your dignity and your independence and you have to keep doing that for as long as you live. Well, I think one of the great mistakes that people make in their retirement income planning, and and I loosely call it planning because I think most of the time the mistake is because they're not planning on this. They claim Social Security thinking, I'm going to get the check as soon as I can because they're going to run out of money and I want to get mine. And by the way, I'm not going to live that long anyway. And so they take the check as soon as they can get it. If they're retired at 62, they're claiming it at 62. If they don't retire until 65, they're claiming it at 65. I get the need to have income, but what we see is that actually, and this is another American College of Financial Services study, that when you look at the statistics here, um, number one, if you actually delay claiming your Social Security, it actually has positive benefits on the long-term impact on your portfolio. It'll actually last longer because when you do start taking Social Security, that bigger check allows you to take less from your investments. But secondly, and I think very importantly on this, the larger check needs to be delayed until age 70, if at all possible, because it will be the survivor check, Troy. Janet, I met with some clients this week that we talked through this. He he does not think he's going to, he doesn't think he has a long life expectancy. Right. So his thought is, I need to take my check as soon as I can get it. But they both agreed that the spouse, the wife, probably has a long uh you know, his, a, a chance of living a long time. His check is really her check. In exactly. The He's got the larger check. So how this works is his check is is going to be the larger amount, especially if he delays all the way until 70. Mm-hmm. It's a significant amount. So it's not really how long do we think he's going to live. It's right. how long do we think she is going to live. And when we talked through that, it really changed their mind on how they thought about Social social Security. Yeah. I mean, when you think about a, a two-income household going to one-income, you know, whether it's in your working year, somebody loses a job, how hard is that on on the household? It's a, it's a big change for most people. Well, think about it in retirement. That's what's happening. Not only are you losing a spouse, but you're losing that income. And if they had a pension, it may be a multiplied effect if there's not a survivor benefit on the pension. So on that Social Security, it is critical that you take the time to spend the time with an advisor and look at the 86 different claiming strategies on Social Security and determine what is going to be in the best interest of your household. All those decisions matter and all those decisions can get confusing and be hard to really have perspective on 
So let's kind of simplify it down on the first thing that needs to be decided upon. Because when you talk about dignity being the first thing you're going to purchase in retirement, let's quantify what dignity is. Dignity is being able to meet all of your expenses in retirement. That's your required income. And Social Security may not meet that. Uh, Pension may not meet that. We have to identify what you're going to need on a cash outflow basis to make sure that the cash inflow is the same amount. Yeah, you've absolutely got to be able to line those up. And again, guys, I think that most people just aren't doing the planning. It's not that they're, you know, uh, intentional about it. It, it. I think that's it. It's the lack of intent that you've got to spend some time thinking about. We need X amount of income. We got to know what X is and for how long. What's a reasonable estimate? And we need to be able to plan to be sure that you have that for your lifetime. Yeah, Scott, I would say if you asked most people that are in retirement if they have a financial plan, they would probably tell you yes. But in reality, they don't actually have a plan. They don't have this is how much income I'm going to have every month throughout my retirement. What they actually have is just investments, and they consider that their plan, but there really is a difference. Yeah, there is. Uh, and and at GenWealth, it starts with identifying that income number. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the strategy-based approach that we have for longevity risk. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you, I'm kind of breaking from the content just a little bit. We're going to break this up into the dignity and the independence, okay? Since we're already yeah. there, we're talking about the required income. We, we look at really building your retirement income house. We, we use the house analogy. Your, your retirement income plan is like building a house. And when you think about your required income, that is your foundation. That is the foundation of your retirement. That is the foundation of the house. It is not exciting to look at, right? It's basically a slab of concrete. Troy, you, 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 are you still building a house? Are you it's done with done. it? We just is it moved done? in okay, about so two you, weeks ago. So you can remember back, what was it, six months ago when they poured the foundation? Eight months ago? Nine months ago? Right. Whenever it was, you remember what that foundation looks like. It doesn't look like a house, but if that's not set correctly, your house isn't going to last very long. Well, and frankly, I think about coming from where I did in eastern Arkansas, it's tornado territory. Mm. And and I think about foundations, not when you're building, but after destruction. You know, a tornado comes through and there's nothing left except the foundation. Mm-hmm. But that foundation is still there. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you know, if the analogy breaks down at some point because you can't live in the foundation. But the mm-hmm. point is, if that is representative of the required income that you have to have, and if a financial tornado, if you will, comes through and it, you have a negative impact on the rest of the financial house, you still have that foundation in place. And if it covers your required expenses, you're okay. You may not be taking a trip to Italy next week, but you're okay. You're going to have your food, shelter, clothing, and transportation covered in that situation. Yeah. I think it's important, too, to point out there is a little bit of uh, customization that goes on here, too. What that required income number needs to be or what it needs to cover I think uh, varies a little bit from client to client. They may want a little cushion in that required income. Maybe it includes their going out to eat money. It's designed during the planning process when you sit down with the GenWealth advisor, but that number is the first target that we have to find. And I'm still amazed, quite frankly, 
how many people still come in that close to retirement that have not even really put a budget together? Yeah, it, I, I still attribute this to our automated payment system these days. You yeah. know, back in the day, we got paid with a check. We had to go to the, the bank and deposit it. We had to get cash out if we if we wanted to have cash. And there was more of an awareness of how much money was flowing through our hands for one thing or another. You didn't you didn't use a credit card. You wrote a check for whatever it was, and so people. People really knew what they were spending. Now, even if you're not using a credit card, but you're using a debit card, the point is, if there's enough money in the account, it goes through. And so people don't really know what they're spending, much less what they're spending it on. And we do believe it's really important to spend some time. It doesn't have to be a to-the-penny budget, but to have an idea of these are the things that will define joy for us in in retirement and mm-hmm. these are the things on that list that we must have the other things are optional but these are the things that we must have and in today's dollars here's what that amount is if you can tell us that we can put your plan together so if the tornado comes through that's still standing that's right now once we identify that number then the other side of the ledger is do we have enough guaranteed income sources to cover that number through Social Security, through pension. You might even include rental income, farm income. Some of those things could be considered uh, a source of guaranteed income. But if we come up short, then that's our gap analysis, right? That's our required income gap that we need to fill. And at that point, we can take a look at the pool of assets that are available that you've saved over time, wherever there are in the 401k, non-qualified accounts. And can we carve out a piece of that pie, so to speak, and dedicate that to filling the gap. And that's used through a product like an annuity where you have a lifetime income rider on that amount of money. And you mentioned it earlier, the privatizing of you're making a private pension out of a part, right. portion of your assets. Yeah, guys, I really want to develop this on the other side of the break, but I, I want to talk about the different ways that there are to take retirement income. There are basically just three different ways to do it, and we use a combination of two of them. And I think it's very important to understand how unique that is in, in the, frankly, across the country, how unique that approach is and what the collegiate world says about that. Yeah, very important. We've got about a minute left, and that's a great point, too, because our process drives the investment strategy, not the other way around. And I think that's important to to realize that if an annuity is used, it's because it's needed to fill a gap. If there is no gap, if Social Security and pension and rental income or whatever sources of guaranteed income you have are going to be enough to cover your required expenses in retirement, then it's not coming to you. That's That's not part of your plan. So that is a distinct difference, I think, that is worth pointing out, too, that at GenWealth, it's the ready-to-retire process. The plan determines the investment strategy, not the other way around. So we'll talk a little bit more coming up against uh, our final break, battling longevity risk. That's the topic of today's show, and we're talking about setting that floor or that foundation, but it goes much deeper than that. We're going to talk about the the living space of your required or rather your retirement income house That's when the Get Ready for the Future show continues. Stay with us. Surveys back it up that 72% of pre-retirees are worried about running out of money. 64%, according to a Think Advisor survey, are concerned about being unable to maintain their current lifestyle or quality of life. It's a big fear, and it all revolves around longevity. You don't know how long you're going to live, so you want to make sure you have a plan in place 
to make sure your money lasts as long as you do. And we are offering today on the Get Ready for the Future show, the first five people to email us from this show can get 50% off their financial plan. And you do that by sending the email to info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Just reference this show, and we'll get you in to see an advisor for half off your financial planning fee. So we talked about the strategy-based approach. The plan has to dictate the investment strategy when it comes to battling longevity risk. And the first place we start is buying your dignity with your required income. Will your guaranteed income sources be met with guaranteed income? And if not, how you battle that? And, and Janet, again, I think it's, it's worth pointing out here that uh, this is this is academic. Yeah. This is this is the world of academics that is backing up this the way you take on longevity risk. So the American College of Financial Services has courses that you can take for different designations, and they bring in all types of people from across the country who are in that academic realm. And like you said, Scott, that it is it is their thought. It's not like they're selling anything or promoting anything. This is when you study the numbers. Here's how the math works, period. And so when these guys get together and talk about how do you take distributions in retirement, there are really only three approaches that can be utilized. The details may be a little bit different, but there are only three ways to do it. There's a withdrawal rate, like we talk about the 4% rule. There's flooring and there's bucketing, okay? Let me talk about withdrawal rate, which is not what we do at all, but I want you to understand as an investor why we don't do it and why we don't recommend it. So if you if you use a million dollars as an example, somebody has a million dollars and they're going to withdraw 4%. Well, that's $40,000 a year. Well, it's fine until it's not. Along comes 2008. Market's down 40%. So you got to think about that pool of investments. It's not segmented for time. You can't have some of it that's conservative and some of it that's long-term and say we met the investment objective. It's what did the pool of money do collectively as a whole. So this collective pool of money was down 40%. Okay, so now instead of a million, you have 600,000. So going back to your 4% withdrawal rate, 4% 4% of now 600000 instead of a million is $24,000. What if that $40,000 that you were taking, what if 30000 of it was required? You mm-hmm. had to have it. Mm-hmm. Well, now you don't even have enough to meet your required expenses because it wasn't coming to you on a guaranteed basis. If you can't meet your required expenses, then we're not able now to purchase your dignity and your independence anymore. So, the other option is instead of reducing your income from 40000 to 24000 to stick with the 4%, what if you just stick with 40000 And by the way, they would even say that you inflate it over the years mm-hmm. if, a little bit to, t- to take care of inflation. So if you have that 40000 withdrawal off of 600000 now you're at a 6.7% withdrawal rate. You're going to run out of money. There's no way to avoid it at that withdrawal rate. So this is why, this is the math and the science behind why why we do not just do a a withdrawal percentage. What we do, guys, is a combination of the other two. And this is what the American College of Financial Services says is absolutely the best way to address the risks that we've been talking about today. Yeah, and your other two options there are flooring and the bucketing strategy. And so we've talked about flooring in the last segment. That's just making sure that if you've got X amount of dollars of required gotta-have-it income every month, that, that that is met with some type of guaranteed source. So Social Security, 
pensions, and then we've mentioned annuities. So we kind of talked about flooring in the last segment. Scott, walk us through uh, bucketing and how that helps us, especially keeping up with inflation. Yeah, I think it's great and important to not even talk about outside of the fact that if in Janet's um, analogy of the the withdrawal strategy, even if you're not going to run out of money, let's say like yeah. we can take that off the table, you're not going to have a consistent income. You're, you're going right. to it's going to fluctuate all over the point place. So you don't want that in retirement with your required income or even as we call it your desired income. That is the uh, room of the house. That's the uh, walls, the four walls, the furniture. That's where the living takes place in your retirement. It is the independence. That's what is true financial independence is the additional income that comes from your investments. So rather than a withdrawal of just some random percentage of a pie or a circle, if you will, of your portfolio, we would look at breaking that down into multiple buckets or segments of money, and they are dedicated to years of your retirement. In other words, that first bucket may be for the first five years of your retirement to produce a monthly income, and it's not going to have any kind of a super rate of return on it because it's going to be in a conservative investment strategy. Well, why do we want to be in a conservative strategy? Because if 2008 happens, like Janet talked about, and the market's down 40%, that bucket's not down 40%. That bucket is built to be stable because you're going to be using that money early on in those first few years of retirement. But Janet, if you step out and move down the line of those buckets, yeah. each one get, takes on a little bit more risk because there's a little bit more reward coming. And guys, this is a critical point that the American College of Financial Services also touches on, and that is the psychology of the buckets, the difference in how people feel about their retirement. And we've seen this countless times when people come in for a review, and it might happen to be that the, the market, generically speaking, the market is down. Well, they can look at their buckets and go, remember, honey, this bucket out here that's down, we don't need that for another 15 years, so we're good. But these these earlier buckets, they're, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. So the psychological impact on this is tremendous for a retiree. That's the key. If you're, if you're looking at those buckets, and let's say we go through a, a March of last year. Well, if your buckets that that represent your income for years 16 plus in retirement, yeah. if those happen to be down in March of last year, it's not fun to see it on your statement. But if you know, you know, I've got the next 15 years taken care of through right. more conservative investments, then it's not time to hit the panic button at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, I'd love to go through some numbers of an actual plan, uh, just, uh, just a sample plan to give people an idea. So if you start out with, let's say, $782,000. Over a 25-year period, and we can build this for different time periods depending on your age when you come in. If you're younger, we'll, we'll do a 30-year period or longer, so we'll, we can flex with that. But over a 25-year period in this example, from starting out with 782000 they actually withdraw over $1.1 million, not counting anything from Social Security. This is all coming from the 782000 that was invested. And they still catch this. They still wind up with $600,000 at the end of that 25 years. And this comes back to the longevity risk that we've been discussing today. Mm -hmm. We don't know how long you have. What if we think 25 years and you really have longer than that? At the end of this 25 years, if you're gone, there's 600000 there that goes to your heirs. If you're still here, we take that and do more buckets. 
we set it up again for you to go at that point it won't be another 25 years another 10 years whatever we believe needs to happen at that point but there's always a residual balance at the end of it so that we know that you have money as long as you're going to be here and this guys is the desired income on mm-hmm. top of the flooring that we've already talked about so you've really got that combination of assets working for you together and again it just comes back to underscore the critical nature of planning if you haven't had somebody lay out a retirement income plan for you i cannot tell you how important it is to take the time as you approach retirement if you're within 10 years certainly within five years it's time troy we had somebody recently who came in to meet with us and said i retired last month here you go that kind of gives us a coronary we can we can work with you but man getting some you know some time ahead of time is so helpful yeah having having time to plan it out and know what you're getting into obviously that's going to make more people feel comfortable than than not so if you're getting close to retirement definitely you know give us a call let's sit down and talk about getting a plan together for you vital in that example that you talked about too janet the 1.1 million over 25 years that was with raises every time that bucket changed you were getting more monthly income you have to have a plan in place that adjusts your income upwards because you wouldn't work for 30 years without a pay raise you don't want to be in retirement for potentially 25 or 30 years without a pay raise you heard the final bell time for final thoughts troy you're first up yeah so you know we've talked a lot about planning in this last segment Everyone out there is unique. Um, Your circumstances are unique. So we feel like your financial plan, especially your retirement income plan, should be unique to you as well. So I'll go back to the example we uh, talked about. Give a little bit of disclosure. That's not any specific investment um, and and not guaranteed to have those results. But I do want you to go back to the concept. If you're thinking you're going to be around for 20 or 30 years, you need a plan like that to address what's my income going to be like? Where is it going to come from? And let's be intentional about your retirement income planning so that in those golden years, you can buy your dignity and your independence. Our show today has been about longevity risk. There are really three universal risks to all retirees and longevity risk is one of them. Sequence risk is the other. We talked about the idea that the market goes down while you're pulling money out. That can deplete your assets as well. And inflation risk, that's the need for having an adjustment in income going up because we know that things are going to cost more in retirement. If you'd like to have a plan that addresses all three of those risks, we talked extensively about longevity risk today, we are offering a chance for the first five people to email us from this show to get 50% off their financial plan. All you have to do is email us, info at getreadyforthefuture.com, and reference this show, and we'll give you the opportunity to sit down with the Genwell Financial Advisor with a 50% off financial plan. Hope you'll take advantage of that, and we hope that you will join us again next week for the Get Ready for the Future show. For Janet and for Troy, I'm Scott Inman saying so long for now. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501-653-7355. 
You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.